Red Glow is an everything photography podcast covering the entire range of photography from chemical, darkroom, and alternative-based processes all the way to modern digital photography and beyond. Be sure to visit us at www.underredglow.com. And now your host, John Milliker Jr. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Under Red Glow podcast. My name is John Milliker and I'm a full-time photographer who practices, teaches, and demonstrates nearly every photographic process in history, including modern digital gear techniques. And with me in studio is my co-host and lovely wife, Christine. She practices and demonstrates many processes and is our entry-level process and kids' class instructor. And I think she messed with my headphone settings again. Welcome, I did not touch Welcome, them. Christine. Good evening. What's going on besides sabotaging the mixer board? I did not touch it. She did. I did not. I bet she did. It is cold outside. It is very cold outside. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to... Well, I ask you, but I think I know more than you, don't I? Yes. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some photography news that came out. Yes. We're going to talk about, uh, we, we, we just, over the Halloween weekend, we were out with our friends at the Heart of the Civil War Heritage Area at Newcomer House in Sharpsburg, Maryland. And, uh, and it was uh, Halloween weekend, spooky, spirit photography. I got to tell you, I'm not a fan of Halloween. There I said it. I love this time of year. I'm not saying I don't like this time of year. I'm just not a fan of Halloween. I'm glad it's November. We're one. We're one third closer to spring. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a fan. Get all the leaves out of the trees. Get get the snow on the ground. That way, it can melt faster, and we can get to spring. I'm a spring person. It, it doesn't work that way, dear. Oh, it does. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about. Do you do you take or do you make photographs? How about I that? I guess it depends on. Well, we got. We're going to talk about it right now because we're going to go and take a break and listen to a word from our sponsors. All right, Christine. Whew, you're right. It's cold out. We 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 went on a couple. We went on a couple days trip up. We were trying to find some more more color because the the, the fall colors has been a little bit disappointing. Right, the, the the last couple of years. Although this year, I think they're better. We just, I mean, they were nice. Don't get me wrong, but there was a lot of trees that just you know, a lot of trees still just went went right to brown. And and the when we when we went and we did that coastal New Jersey trip a couple of weeks ago, the colors were amazing on the trees where they were amazing on, and there was still a lot of green at the time. But now when we went out, the the colors have absolutely faded. We went up to. We did the trifecta, didn't we? We went to uh, Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. We did yes. that little that little uh, that little area there near Philadelphia and Wilmington, and whatever town is in New Jersey that's right there. We went up. We went and, and did some cabin. We went up and got a, a camp cabin. And now, now, mind you, it was a KOA. And you know, I don't have a problem with KOA. I like KOA. I'm more of a rugged camping kind of guy, but there's nothing wrong with a little bit of glamping in KOA. And actually, KOA's got these these tents now. Remember these tents we were looking at? The glamping tents? Oh, my goodness. They have these glamping tents. They're on a wooden platform. The tent's already set up for you. 
You've got a porch that's under a like a rain fly. You've got a little grill there. Oh, I want to stay in one of those really bad. I'd stay in one of those with you. All right. But it's I, a date. I, I was happy the last couple of days to be in a cabin that we could turn the heat on. Oh, yeah. We went in this cabin and it was cold. And it was one of those like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. You know, the KOA has got that camp cabin that has the, the, the bunk beds. No toilet, no cooking, no nothing. Just, you know, go in there. You got a bunk bed and you maybe have a you have a bench. No, we didn't do that one because I'm not going outside if I don't have to. And this place had, it had a queen bed. It had four bunk beds, had a bathroom, had a shower, had two bathrooms. Actually, had like a half bath. Yeah. And it had a stovetop and yeah. well, that, a well, microwave. Let's, let's talk about the half bath. That's more like an eighth bath. Well, it's a toilet and a sink. That's what a half <laughs> bath is. And it, you go in and you make a right and everything else has doors, door doors, like real doors. Go in and make a right to where the bunk beds are. And I'm like, there's no door here. And then I go into the little eighth bathroom. And I'm like, there's no door here either. I mean, do you have to go and, and do your business while you've got three other bunk mates watching you? No, they had pocket doors. I didn't realize that until we until we left this morning. But I thought that was interesting. Pocket doors versus, and I got to tell you, this, this, this cabin was not level. <laughs> you know, I, you, you go to the bathroom and you know, the door swings open on you and you go to the bedroom and the door swings closed on you. It, it was, it was quaint and it was kind of a pain in the butt, but a fun pain in the butt. We I, went in, it was cold. We crank, cranked that heat up. We did. We cranked it up, but it took a while for it to get warm, but finally we had to take it down. We run, run the ceiling fans as Christine said, it had a little a little stove. It had a little, well, it wasn't really a stove top. It was like a hot plate, like a two-section hot plate built into the, the countertop. Had a full-size refrigerator. Yeah. Had a sink. Had a microwave, but we didn't use it. Eh, what fun's microwave? It did have a microwave. It did have a grill outside, propane. Takes the meat, not the heat. That was an old um, Hank Hill reference, by the way. But it was it was rainy. It was cold. It was rainy. It was it wasn't supposed to rain, but it did. And uh, we didn't get a chance to use that. And they're kind of ex- I mean, when you think about it, they're kind of expensive for what they are. But you've got a grill. You've got a you know a little K cup, Cuisinart, Keurig, whatever the thing is, and and they give you a couple things. Didn't give you any dish detergent. Kind of weird. We had to go out and buy dish detergent. But they gave you towels and sheets. And- yeah, usually they don't. Usually they don't do linens, which I thought was nice. But you would think that with the thing, they would, you know, they would not do that because when most people come camping, they're you're bringing your own linens. And what does it take to, you know, Christine and I, we have a, a couple sheet sets for when we go and and do things like this, and they don't have linens. Like if we get a like a little Airbnb or whatever, and and they don't have linens or linen service, or we get a rental house and they don't have linens. I mean, we've got we've got little little Ziploc bags of of okay, well this is a queen set, this is a king set, whatever. But I was really surprised at that, and they had the towels. And Koa, I mean, <laughs> I was really I was really interested because the shower had you know the the hair, the shampoo, the body wash, and the conditioner, and the and the little squeezy things on the wall, and a little squeezy sink thing over the over the bathroom sink but no but no dish detergent which was interesting but we uh man we made uh we made some good food we can't talk about food we gotta talk about food in the after show though okay <laughs> i'm gonna keep it kind of one topic 
But we went up there looking for color, and we didn't find any. We really didn't find anything. I took my drone up. I, I wanted to fly, you know, fly a, a little bit before it, it started getting too cold. And uh, you know what? I don't think any of us, I don't think either of us took our cameras out. It just really wasn't anything. I mean, it's New Jersey. We didn't really see anything to photograph anyway. Well, it was, it was rainy and dreary and cold. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we were looking. We were actually looking at some some little local parks to the the area, and and they looked fantastic. But like Christine said, it was just just wasn't a it was a blah. It was a blah couple days. We we relaxed. We had fun, and we worked on some other projects we needed. Oh yeah, on. yeah. We went through and and sorted videos from our our last escapades, and uh, and yeah, it was a good time. It was a really good time. We had some nice alone time. Cooked some some tasty food, and uh, and that was it. Got up got up early this morning. Decided to come on back. There it is. Yep. But it was it was fun. You know, it's I don't know. It, it's kind of a you know, it's kind of one of those. It's a smaller KOA, and it didn't really have that. It had a pool. It had a small pool. Of course, it was too cold for that. It, it closed on Labor Day weekend. Oh, so. well, that's good. I wasn't getting it anyway. Had one of those little bouncy. Balloons in the dirt that the kids, I guess, bounce on. Yeah, kind of weird, but okay. Nice playground. Had a little lake. A little little pond. I think in you the could middle. a little pond. You could you could fish off the pond. It had a little uh, had, had like a I don't know like a little wood bridge going across it, which I thought was cute. But yeah, we didn't we didn't really venture out. It would have been a nice place to like ride your bikes, like if you have kids to ride bikes around or whatever. But uh, yeah. There were a few more kids there than I thought there would be in the middle of the week. Yeah, in November, but kind of interesting. I mean, I'm sure by now the kids are in school, but but maybe you know I've I've heard there's a big surge in homeschooling and and uh, you know, good good for them. Yeah, good for them. I like that. I like the homeschooling idea. And this is a KOA that's open year round. Not all of them are. Yeah, but this one was. So. I used to love going to a KOA called. Um, it used to be called Snug Harbor, but I think they they renamed it to Antietam. And and one of my favorite KOA experiences was in in the winter time and having that that indoor heater just cranked, and it's snowing outside and not needing to go any to have all your supplies. You don't need to go anywhere for days, and uh, and that 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 campground stopped being all year. So I don't know, kind of sucks, but. Now we have the there's the Harper's Ferry KOA, which is which is nice. It's it's really big. It's almost impersonal big, but it's 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 almost too big. But it's it's still a nice place. But but in in the end of the day, if if we're going somewhere camping, we're gonna get a camp you know, we're gonna get a camping spot that's in a national forest or or something. You know, we're we're we like to be we like that we're self sufficient enough that we don't need to quote unquote glamp and and have you know pristine toilets and showers and and everything, but uh, yeah, but oh well, it is what it is. Before we get on to, uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, newcomer house, but I want to talk a little bit about a couple things that I saw online. Um, we talked about DJI's new camera, and they made it seem like something fresh, right? Wasn't that what they used? One of the tagline they used was fresh. Yeah, it was another action camera. Yeah. Once again, another another action camera on the market. The DJI Action 2 uh, it looks just like a GoPro session. It's got that square look. 4K footage at 120 frames a second. I think 1080p at 240 frames a second. It's supposed to have, you know, DJI's 
uh, 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 horizon and, and motion and, and movement reduction or whatever they whatever they want to call it. It's supposed to have the DJI stuff, which which works quite well with the DJI like Pocket, Pocket Two, and, and the drones, of course. But that usually is kind of a, a gimbal. It's a mechanical gimbal that moves. And I can only imagine that this is using you know, this is using something in software, well, just like the, the the GoPro Ten, and well, just like all the GoPros that that started introducing that. But it, the interesting thing I thought was, well, first of all, you don't uh, you don't have a screen on it, but you've got like this magnetic screen that can clip on the side, and you can turn it forward or back, and so you're into vlogging or whatever. You can do that. Apparently, it's got a touch thing, but it but it turns it from a it turns it from a square to a rectangle which then becomes pretty much every other action camera with the stuff on the front. So my problem is, you know, you, they give you something that, that disconnects and you're going to lose the sucker. Yeah. That would be my thing. Just like, just, just like the pocket too. I lost the darn wide angle lens already. It's like 50 bucks. Darn camera was what? 200? It's 50 bucks for a wide angle lens. No way. Ain't doing it. Oh, still mad at that. Yeah. But the thing is, is, it's got this magnetic mount, and I guess in 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 replacement of the screen that would be very very helpful on the back, I guess it's got a, a very strong magnet, and you can put like this thing around your neck underneath your shirt, and it will magnetize to to your shirt. Magnets, mm-hmm. how do they work? But the problem is, is I'd like to try. I'd like to see one. I'd like to see one in person because I, I can't imagine that. I'm not trusting a magnet to me doing action camera stuff. Right. Right? You know, I'm not going to skydive with a magnet. Yeah, it might you, you'd knock it off too easily, you think. Don't, I don't know. And I don't know what kind of mount it has. I don't think it has a mount. But I'm sure, you know, I'm sure enterprising people are going to make a like a skeleton mount for the sucker. And that's I would trust that over a magnetic mount any day. But I I'd, I'd like to because here's the thing. I mean, you can get those magnets on online that are the uh, neodymium or however you pronounce it, magnets, and and I mean they'll 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 pinch off a finger if you're not careful. But yeah. but something that small, I just don't know how because you can't you can't make it so darn strong that you know it takes it takes he man to to pull it off. I'm not really sure what they're doing. It's kind of interesting. Thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of GoPro, the GoPro 10 has a firmware update for battery life and overheating. Imagine that. That usually seems to be their their thing. Put a camera out. People can't use it because of overheating and battery life. And then they have to put a firmware update. It just seems to be their thing. And I just wish that by now GoPro would understand, hey, and they give these out to you know influencers. Before the thing comes out, you see every YouTuber with one. And, and, you know, why are you giving these cameras out if you're not listening to what these people are saying? I mean, do people, do people not want to tell GoPro, Hey, this new camera, you know, I'm not going to say sucks, but sucks because they got a, they got a free one or they got one for review. But the thing is, is, you know, you, you don't have to be harsh when you give people feedback, when you give GoPro feedback and say, Hey, it's, it's really overheating much worse than the eight or the nine. And the battery life is terrible. Well, the problem is instead of, you know, instead of trying to make things a little bit better in the point of battery conservation, well, now there's yet another battery for the GoPro. We had the, we had the black GoPro battery, right? 
Right. We had the blue one because, you know, you can't use the black for for some of the GoPro features. You got to use the blue one. We had the eight. And now there's a, a gray one. Yeah. There's a battery with a gray top that's supposed to be even better. But but it, it, that's not the answer to to improving battery life on a camera, replacing the battery. Especially when you've just done that, what, two, three years ago? It just seems kind of silly. GoPro, get with the get with the times. You know, you're gonna send these you're gonna send these cameras out to people. I mean, make them come back to you with feedback. And and get this firmware stuff taken care of before you before you give it to the masses. I mean, by the time I buy one, I think should be rock solid because you're giving them out, like I said, you're giving them out to everybody. And you know, by the time your your actual paying customers get it in their hands, it's still got problems. Not that I don't like the GoPro 10, nor have I had these problems, but apparently a lot of people have. But I'm not the kind of person to just turn a GoPro on and let, let it record all day. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get you know, a clip, a clip, a clip. I'm not going to give it the chance to overheat. But imagine you're a, you know, you're an action camera guy, and you're and you're doing BMX or you're doing skydiving or something. I mean, you really can't rewind a skydive and say, "Oh, my GoPro shut off. Let me let's try it again." I don't know. It just kind of kind of bugged me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the OBSBOT? Yes. The OBSBOT is this 1080p webcam. It came out like, what, two years ago, three years ago? And it had this like face tracking stuff built in. Yeah, it was pretty neat. It was kind of neat. But you, you put it out. It had the live streaming. And you can you can do like, you know, these hand gestures. Um, you know, uh, you, you do the L, you do the L for like zoom in or you do the palm for, Hey, follow me as I walk around the room. And I love that because that's why we got started with the DJI pocket in the beginning so that I could put that on a, on a tripod. Like, especially if I couldn't have, if I'd have Christine with me at an event, I can put it up on a tripod. I can put it up on something. I can say, Hey, follow me. And I can walk around a scene with, within, within reason. The thing doesn't just spin 360 degrees for days. But I can walk around a scene and I can talk about where I am and I know that that camera is is following me through the scene. Right. Well, the OBSBOT does this and, and we almost bought one. And and actually, I, I don't know how long it's going to be, but I, I looked up the OBSBOT price and it's uh, it's like $199, but it's on sale for $170 for a limited time deal on Amazon. But this OBSBOT was a live streaming camera. But 1080p, and I thought I thought for sure that we're going to have something 4K by now. Well, guess what? Canon just released. What did Canon release? Canon released the PowerShot PX Smart Camera Face Detection Pan and pans and uh, 170 degrees tilts 90 degrees up and 20 degrees down. Kind of reminds me of DJI. DJI did 20 degrees up. Um, you can use voice commands or a smartphone app. <sighs> But Canon missed the ball. They they just they just missed the boat completely. It's only eleven megapixels, 1080p video, micro SD, or you can transfer it to a computer or your phone via an app. But I don't see any way to live stream. Like, what's going on here? It's it's like four hundred and forty nine pounds. I don't know what pounds converts over to US, but I, I just don't get it. Yeah. How do you not? I mean, Facebook is coming out with these like these like panel things that that are meant for kind of walking around and I guess it's wide enough that it'll zoom in on you to follow you within a within a certain point of view but I'm not putting Facebook stuff in my house 
No. So so Canon had this perfect opportunity to make something. I mean, especially with all the live streaming and the Zoom meetings and people working from home and working remotely. How do you not? How do you? I mean, and this thing's been in in production at least a year. How do you not put that in there? That's really really sim- silly. Now maybe maybe I'm 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 being mean. Maybe I'm 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 talking about something that that they're going to put in there. In the articles I read, I didn't see anything about live streaming. Now, it would be simple to do. be simple to add it to your phone. But it almost seems like there's, you know, if they're having micro SD and they want to transfer, you know, they want to transfer that via the app, it almost sounds like there's no USB connectivity. Now, someone will come up behind behind Canon and clean up their mess and make it so that it can be live streamed either on the, on the app or maybe a way to connect it to your home network and, and use it as a webcam Still at 11 megapixels and 1080p, I think that's really silly. I was looking for something. You know, we're, we're three years out from the OBSBOT, and Canon is just getting started in that. I just think it's the, the most silliest thing. Yeah, it sounds like it's almost exactly the same thing as the OBSBOT. Right. It's just, it just drives me crazy. It's kind of like 360 cameras. I'm looking for the next big 360 camera because I'd like to invest in it. But no, we're still at like so many uh you know so so much photo resolution and and 5.4k video which you might think 5.4k video or 5. I think it's 5.4 5.4k video is is nothing to sneeze at but when you think about it's 5.4k throughout the entirety of the 360 degrees which you're never going to see Unless you're making little planets or wormholes or, you know, f- fancy fancy videos for Instagram, which you don't need that resolution anyway, you're not getting that entire 5.4K. You know, if let's say let's say you're using, and, and if you're using a 360 camera, you can bring that 360 video into something like Premiere. And, and uh, what we'll do is, even though we don't have a GoPro 360, GoPro still allows you to use their, like, it's called VR reframe or FX reframe. I think the... I think it's FX that works with the new Premiere, but I can I can you know zoom in on a section, I can then um, I can then motion track it, or I can use keyframes and move because you know a lot of these videos are, are very good at at keeping you know keeping north north so to speak, and keeping the horizon level, and we use that a lot in our travels where if there's just something that's that's that amazing. Uh, you know, I'll walk with a a big long selfie stick with the 360 camera on, over my shoulder, and and I've got all this opportunity to pick from. But when you when you think about it, you you might be getting 720p or 1080p from that 5.4k just because you are you're cropping in on a section of that video. Right. Kind of silly. Kind of bugs me. Uh, Petapixel is reporting that uh, that and and actually uh, Petapixel reported uh, pulled that um, DJI new camera from them. And then the Canon PowerShot came from a, a camera news site called Camera Jabber. But Petapixel also uh, reports that uh, KEH, who is you know, kind of a well-known used trade, sell, buy kind of kind of depot, they're yeah. opening up a brick-and-mortar store in Georgia. I don't follow baseball, so if you're a Braves fan, go Braves. Uh, they're offering. They're going to be offering um, repairs. The, uh, they have 60,000 items in inventory, which is not going to be in the store, but you can you can ship to store and pick it up. Uh, you can um, 
uh, sell or trade old gear, and then you can talk with people that you know are are very photo savvy. And that's going to be, I think it said Smyrna, Smyrna, Georgia. Uh, the company's president uh, said um, he's he's hoping to address this void by creating a space where photographers can get their hands on gear while having the opportunity to speak about it with experts, experts and fellow camera lovers. I think that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not we're not sponsored by KEH, but KEH has always done us well. We we have a, a very good friend that just bought a. Um, what was that? What was that Sony camera? He just bought a Sony camera for vlogging, and went to KEH and bought a, like a, not a very highly rated in 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 condition lens, and the condition said, oh, it might be some marks on the lens, and he brought this lens in. That lens was gorgeous. <laughs> lens was beautiful. KEH always seems to underrate their the, the quality and the and the how pristine their stuff is. And, and I, you know, we won't, you know, we don't buy bodies or, or, or workhorse lenses from them, but I've bought lenses from them before where, um, I just need a special lens for a project and I, I'm not a fan of renting lenses. I'd rather just, you know, I'd rather just fuel my gear acquisition syndrome and buy this, buy the lens and then just never use it again. But, um, but I've, I've ordered from KEH, which was always fantastic. And you know I got to give a shout out to Adorama. Adorama's used stuff was, was has always been good. Uh, it's been a long time since I bought film gear from Adorama, but a while ago, and I'm sure they still have the same people. But a lot of people you know, in the used department still shot film. And if you had any questions, you can give them a call. And I'm sure Keh is the same way. I've never had to call Keh though, but uh, but yeah, you know Keh is a is a nice store, and uh, I've you know we've never we've never been done wrong by them. Yeah, they're they're both very good stores and i love keh i've i've bought a few things from them through the years yeah and um another another article from petapixel is um adobe is trying to make their neural or, or artificial intelligence filters uh, better and better and better and now there is a colorized neural filter for colorizing vintage photographs why <laughs> well you're you're kind of in the same boat as I am, and I know this is a very polarizing topic. And I, you know, I want to, I want to hear what you guys think about this. But I don't like colorizing old photos. What were we watching? We were watching an episode of the was it rifle the rifleman? Was it uh, the rifleman? No, or was it was it Bonanza. Bonanza. We were watching the episode of Bonanza the other day. You know, when we travel, we you know we don't we don't partake in any in any cable television but you know when we traveled we had uh, we went to a, a lounge where uh, they had bonanza on and they had colorized this episode so badly it was so oversaturated you know but so it's it's an interesting thing my thought is if you've got a photo that's black and white that's how it was shot even today we shoot a lot of black and white we don't want someone coming coming around in in fifty years saying, "Oh, let's colorize John and Christine's photos." I don't want that. And and yeah, some of the colorizations they they look like they'd be shot in color film, but it takes away some of the soul and some of the beauty of these photos. I think. What do you think? I think there's just something about an old black and white photograph, and I've always been drawn more when I shoot film i photograph in black and white much more than i do color because to me there's just something about a black and white photograph love black and white and i don't want 
I choose to photograph it in black and white. So why would I? And the photographer likely used color filters to to darken or lighten certain colors. You know, darken the sky, lighten the greens. You know, something like that. I, I just. It's kind of like the Vivian Meyer documentary. And I think we talked about this before. Vivian Meyer was a nanny. She was an amazing photographer. She, you know, when she had passed on, somebody bought a, uh, somebody bought all of her, all of her negatives, even undeveloped film in like a, a storage locker auction or something. And then started publishing all of Vivian Meyer's work. And now, now don't, don't get me wrong. This is amazing stuff and we're very privileged to see it. But what if Vivian didn't publish her own work or even develop most of her film for a reason? That's really an ethics kind of question. You know, what if what if you didn't want your photos to be seen? Is it is it a uh, should should that person's photos be left alone and and left by their wishes? Or is that bigger than the photographer at this point? I don't know. I I mean we have the we bought the documentary. Yes. I haven't watched it. I just haven't watched I can't bring myself to it. And so many people told me how how good it is. Such a great documentary this and that, but I don't know. I I just I just I just wrestle with this moral conundrum of she didn't have her work published for some reason. Now maybe she was she didn't think it was any good. Or maybe her happiness came from making the images. Now, I can see that happening. You're out and you see something and you photograph and you, you know, you, you were in the, the moment and in your brain, you're picking the top five or 10 or, or in film days. Now, of course, she was before, you know, kind of modern role film, if I remember correctly. But, you know, if you have a role of 12 images, you have to pick, you have to pick those 12 amazing parts of your life that day. Or that week, or in the case of some of my cameras, that year. So I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I want to hear. I want to hear from other people what they think on that about the Vivian Meyer. But but it gets me back to this whole colorizing vintage photographs because here's the problem, especially with some of these some of these films where you know whether you're you're working with uh, orthochromatics or you're working with with film that you know sees color differently. Or maybe the photographer used a color filter to to adjust some of the tonality. Other than knowing that the sky's blue and the grass is green, it's really a guess. And we talk about this all the time. In fact, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the newcomer house in a second. But um, one of the things we like talking about the newcomer house is post-mortem photography. And that ties into talking about that the tintype process is orthochromatic. doesn't see reds. And, you know, that means reds oranges browns and and we've actually seen some yellows come out as black as well it all depends on you know how much uv light it reflects and people thought that civil war ladies were in mourning all the time if they had you know if you were wearing black you were in mourning but it looked like you were wearing black if you were in red pink purple violet i'm i'm a guy so i don't know any other really colored names for red sorry and Blues turned out white, so yeah. how do you know if they're in white or if they're in blue? Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, it's and now and it's kind of weird because I come from you know I come from you know being able to hand color images, but every every 
image that I've in the past, you know, hand colored, it was from someone that wanted it done. It wasn't vintage photos. It wasn't photos from, you know, the World War One or something. But but the problem is it was someone that wanted a black and white image that was colorized. And you would use your photo oils and you would colorize it and, and you, you know, you 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 were the artist in the photo. You made the, the you made the photo and then you you colorized your photo. And so that, that even opens up another can of worms where it's not your photo to colorize. And that's kind of a big no no. You know, when you're when you're working with photographic groups or um you know, you're you're working. You know, you're you're helping people, or somebody you know sends some images in here. I mean, that's the that's you know. I ask, hey, um, do you mind if I you know do you mind if I take this image and 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 work on it a little bit? Do you mind if I take this image and and work a little bit of you know my Photoshop magic with it? And um, and it's always kind of a a question thing. It's it's respectful. It's someone else's work that you're. And we kind of talked about this last week, didn't we? Someone else's work. Yeah. But you're taking someone else's photo and you're processing it differently. You're doing something that that maybe the photographer, the person that clicked that button, may not have thought about. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. So I don't know. I I, I love the fact that I, I I respect the fact that most people don't want to look at black and white photos nowadays. Everything's got to be in in smacky in the face color. I mean, I've even seen some fo- some films that were digitized and uh, they were digitized from like sixteen millimeter film, and then somebody goes online and runs it through an AI and converts it to four K sixty frames per second. There's artifacts all over the place. It looks like hell, but you know, oh, it's it's sharp in some of the areas. Areas, I. I don't know. I don't know if we just live in a society where we have no time for videos and photos unless they are, you know, whiz bang, saturated and 4K and high frame rate. I don't know. It it kind of bugs me a little bit. But uh, but but the problem is is we being working in black and white. You know, we we appreciate the tonality of black and white images, and we appreciate the difficulty of photographing a very colorful subject in black and white. And and not everybody can do it. It's a it's a it's a definite art form that you need to you know if you want to do it, you can, but you got to learn it. But um, but but there's something that's that's just so calming in a in a monochromatic image, and knowing that the the photographer was was so good at 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 exposure that they were able to make this black and white toned image and have all those tones. You're only working in one color. And so you've got to make that from the black to the white. You've got to make everything count. Right. There's just something about a good black and white photograph and the different tonalities and seeing the contrast. And I I mean, I love black and white. Contrast or lack thereof. It it really depends. It it depends on the image. Sometimes it's nice to have a very soft image. Sometimes it's very nice to have those contrasty landscapes. Yeah. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you guys think. Either uh, either uh, either email me or go on a Facebook group and uh, and let me know and yell at me and tell me why totally colorizing photos is the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, this weekend, as we talked, we went to uh, Newcomer House. Our friends with the Heart of the Civil War Heritage Area brought us out. I think we we don't really remember, but we think it, we think this is our fifth year out. And we've given all these programs on on photography. You know, this time I think this is the first time we've done spirit photography at the Newcomer House. At the, at, this was our first time doing it there. Yeah, we've been and, in several other locations, and but. that was fun because you know the people say. But the newcomer house is uh, the H word haunted. Of course, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in hauntings or spirits or ghosts. But uh, but hey, it's kind of still like oh, we're here on Halloween weekend. Of course, nothing happened. Yeah. But um, but it was really nice being able to talk about spirit photography. It's it's a little difficult because while the the newcomer house is run by the heart of the civil war heritage area it's still on antietam national park service land and we've got to be a little bit careful and not not that i sit there and and lecture people about how ghosts exist or don't but you got to be careful about what you say and we talk about how the spirit photographs from william h mumler in boston were made Uh, we talk a little bit about his life we talk a little bit about what could have been done and some of the techniques and we talk about the trial with pt and pt barnum and everybody but it was, uh, once again, it was just such a nice time. You know, the, the, the people there are just amazing. And, uh, and Antietam National Battlefield is one of our most absolute favorite places. It's, it's such a pristine battlefield in Sharpsburg, Maryland. And, uh, and, and some, of the, some of the park rangers came by and said hi, and some of the, uh, the, the, the park police came by and said hi, and it was nice seeing them. But uh, it's just such a, an amazing uh, group of folks that – uh, both at the park service and at uh, the 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 newcomer house, but um, that was really good. And I got to tell you, it was it was really cool because for the first for the first time we had somebody come out and say, "Oh, we we listened to your podcast." I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So, so uh, shout out to to Greg and Denise for stopping by, <laughs> and they had uh, they had a a nice tin type made, and uh, we were just so happy to be able to uh, to make that for them, make them make them something that will the taking care of will last generations. But it was, uh, I got to say it, I think I think that was the first time anyone's come by and said, hey, we listen to your podcast. So that's kind of weird, but kind of cool. <laughs> Usually we're, you know, begging people and, and paying them, you know, paying them under the table to go listen to our podcast. Not really. <laughs> we, uh, we also had a lot of great new opportunities. We had a lot of people from, uh, you know, neighboring historical sites, and including one that, that we haven't worked at for a long, long time. Not going to say who it is, not going to jinx it. Maybe we'll say the name at the for the after show, but uh, but uh, a lot of new opportunities opened up, and yeah, I'm really excited, really excited for next year. Next year is going to be good. Uh, I know that we I, I just got a message from um, Cedar Creek Battlefield Foundation on on doing some workshops there with them, and uh, and I know that they were very impressed with um, you know Christine made a did you know, did a make and take station for the kids uh, with cyanotypes last year for their Family day, family fun day, family fun day. And, and that was so much fun and, and people loved it. The, the funny thing about a make and take station for kids is you got to bring enough for the parents because they find it more fascinating than kids do. At least the cyanotypes seem to run that way. Right. Uh, we need to do, yeah, we need to do that. Uh, this, uh, this year we're working on a new kit for, I mean, we, we make the, uh, we make and sell the cyanotype kits, which Christine has done such an amazing job at. 
um, finding the you know sourcing the, the the containers that also works as a tray, and putting uh, you know putting the 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 powder mixes in bottles so that the people all they have to do is fill it with water, shake it, fill it to the top, shake it, and uh, brushes and paper. And uh, we're working on another one which we're not going to give away because somebody totally steal it. Uh huh. Uh huh. We're we're working on a new one uh, this week. This uh, not weekend. This winter. And uh, hopefully in the spring we'll we'll announce it and we'll talk a little bit about uh, making it, how we decided to make it, and and go forward from there. Um, when you when you get a kit, we also give you the the online videos too. Christine okay. Christine has done uh, an amazing job at making you know toning videos, wet cyanotype videos, you know just coating, mixing, all that fun stuff, and uh, and that's uh, that's been a lot of fun. I've been I've been having a lot of fun with with that even though with the thing excuse me the thing uh we haven't really been able to do workshops in in two years but it looks like next year hopefully next year we're gonna hit the ground running and, and get get some more of these workshops under our belt yeah that because be- that's so much fun i mean when when you send somebody a kit and you let them look at the video you give them the access to the the, the premium videos and everything you don't get to see i mean you get questions every once in a while but you don't really get to see the the magic and and you don't get to see what they're making either and that's something we always tell people. It's like, yeah, share, you know, share with us, share with us what you made. And we get very few of that. But I being able to do a workshop and just seeing and not only the kids, but the the adults as well kind of figure out, man, I I, you know, they, they come up with these amazing ideas of what to create. And I thought that was I thought that's really cool. So, we'll see that. Um while we have a little bit of time left, <laughs> we always talk a little a little bit long-winded on that. Um we really want to talk about uh do you take or do you make photos, Christine? Uh, I like to think that we make photos, but I know a lot of people say, I'm going to take a photograph now. Yeah, but. I'm going to take your photo. I'm going to take this photo. There's a photo I took. Here's a photo I... And it's kind of silly. I don't, I, don't, I don't associate taking a photo with stealing. But the, the problem is, is mentally... And I guess I take I take and make photos on occasion. If I'm just you know making a documentary photo of where I was or what we're doing or or maybe Christine wants a a, a damn selfie with me at at a, a special place, I I take a photo. There's no thought behind it. Well, you you know, it's there. It's it, it almost makes it seem like it's there. Anybody could take that photo. Anybody can make the exact same shot. But when you make a photo. You know, we talked about, we talked, this is like one of our first episodes of the podcast. We talk about making a photo. We talk about, you know, when you push that button, you're not just pushing the button. You're, you're, you're visualizing the scene. You're checking out all your angles. You're, you're making changes when you need to. You're pre-visualizing what that shot is going to look at. Like, and if you, if you walk, you work in the dark room, you're pre-visualizing what, what you're going to put that negative on. Yeah. Cyanotype. Uh, platinum, salt, albumin, carbon, or Christine. She talked to me. We were just talking today. She wants to. She wants to dive back into the Rollins oil stuff, which we did a little bit about. Which we did a little bit during the thing. And but but when you when you make a photo, all that stuff goes through your mind. You're trying to make an image that is you, that is going to tell the story. It's going to have that impact for your viewer. And I think that's. I never liked the idea of using the word take a photo. But the more I think about it, I, I take photos all the time. But the really 
thoughtful images, absolutely make. Made the photo. Well, whenever you walk around a, a place to get just the right angle to get to look up, to look down, to get different perspectives, I mean, you're making those photos. Absolutely. And those are all different ways to do that, to sh- photograph a building at an angle that most people don't or part of a building. Um, yeah. Thinking about some some of the photos we saw tonight in our camera club. Yeah. The architectural photos that were not okay, what, angles that yeah, let's talk you about. usually think about. Uh, we have one of, the, one of the photographers in our local club. And um, and we we run the we run the streams for for the club, and um, being able to see these images on the stream for these photographers that were getting critiqued from a um, from a judge, and you know as Christine said, we have one guy that that's in the club that's uh, amazing in architectural photography, and uh, and and you know spoiler alert if you don't if if you're an artist and you don't have a a local club. Definitely find one. I mean, photography for sure, but any artistic ability, definitely find some place that you can you can go and you can be around like-minded people because when when we talk about making photos and going out and, and doing this, most of the photos that are submitted to a contest or to a critique session or even a show and tell are made photos. They're not taken photos. They are made. They put the forethought in their brain to make that image as best as they could. And then once they did that, they processed it. And like I said, if you're not doing the darkroom stuff, then it's going to be, how are you going to crop it? Darkroom cropping as well. But how are you going to crop it in, you know, in your photo editor of choice? How are you going to change the tonality? Are you going to change, you know, you're going to bump the exposure. You're going to bring the shadows up, bring the highlights down. You're going to, you know, put a little bit of clarity on it, a little bit of desat, a little bit of saturation, whatever. But that is your mind's eye of, of how you want your, your viewer to experience that, that, that sliver of time where you were standing in front of that object. It's really interesting. It's a lot, a lot more spiritual there than, 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 you know, most people that you see on Facebook. People take photos all the time, but it takes someone kind of special in, in that forethought to make a photo. And and you don't need to be, you don't need to have gone to, to, to photography school or you don't need to be an old pro and you don't need to be full time. I mean, but just kind of starting to get into that mindset of I'm, I'm not just pushing a button. I'm not just, and, and we've talked, we told this story a million times before, went to Yosemite, Several years ago now, we would stop at a at a, a little pull-off, and we'd get our tripods out. We'd figure out, okay, well, I want to use a neutral gradient filter to bring the skies down, or maybe I want to use a polarizer, maybe I want to use this. And, and, you know, we're looking at all these different angles. Okay, well, if I come over here, I can frame the falls in this tree branch. If I go over here, I got a trash can. If I go over here, uh, there's Bigfoot down there in the woods being all Bigfooty. But, but the problem is, as we were doing all of that, you know, getting a, getting a cable release, maybe we we're doing a little bit of a long exposure to, to, to silking out the falls a little bit. How many people just drove up, pulled on the side of the road, rolled down their windows, put their camera phone out, and then hit a button? That's the difference between taking and making a photo, I think. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with taking a photo. 
But as artists, as photographers, as people that want to to better perfect our craft, we need to be making more photos than we're taking. To help yourself grow as a photographer, to learn new things, new ideas, it helps. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're growing as a photographer, let's say, let's say you're a Vivian Meyer and no one will ever see your work. Now, of course, that's a, that's a tragedy. I'm not saying it's not a tragedy that people aren't going to see your work. But let's say you're just photographing for you. How does, how does that make you feel? putting that extra effort into making sure you make the best photo. Some of these places will never be that we've been to and photographed. We'll never be there again. And while my skill set gets better by the year and my camera gear gets better by the year, I still need to make my best shot at that thing that I either want to photograph for myself. I want to share with my friends and family I want to make a book out of, I want to make prints out of, I want to sell to customers, I want to do this, I want to do that. It's it's just such a process. Speaking of gear, Christine, does gear matter? No. Why not? Well, what good is gear if you have it at home and not on you? So sometimes going out and taking a photograph with your cell phone is better than not taking or making a photo. Well, you can you can still make a photo with a cell phone. Right. How about... You know, we, well, you know what we should do? This would be a good YouTube video. <clears throat> we need to do a Iron Chef photography challenge. And maybe we'll get some people with the, the, the local the local camera club people together, but making a camera out of trash, out of, out of nothing. Like going, uh, what, what is that? Uh, what do they do? Uh, it was uh, William Osman on YouTube. We talked about William last week, I think. Last week or the week before, yeah. But William Osmond will take people to the dollar store and give them like five bucks. And they've got to build a contraption to do the egg drop. You ever do the egg drop in school? I've never done it, but I've seen William do it quite a few times. I did the egg drop. That was a lot of fun. We'll have to find somewhere tall, uh, tall to throw eggs off of. Egg drop is, for anybody that doesn't know it, I I don't remember what the what the point of it was. I guess it was like engineering, but... I don't, I don't really know what the what the whole point was. But you, you basically build, you have an egg, and you build a container that they throw off the roof of the school, and whoever's egg doesn't break, quote-unquote, wins. You don't win anything. It's not a passing score or a failing score. But but anyway, they go to the dollar store. They buy all this weird stuff for under five. You know, they, they, have, a, they have a limit, and they got to do this egg drop. Like I said, William Mosman is kind of one of those knucklehead science YouTubers, but he's extremely likable. Definitely go recommend you, you check him out. We need to do the same thing with, uh, with a camera. We need to go to the dollar store. We give people $5. Maybe that's too much. Maybe $3. And people have to buy the stuff to make a camera. Now, of course, it's not going to be a digital camera. It's not going to have 49 megapixels, but a film camera. Right, I can think of a couple different ideas. Well, well, we're not going to talk about that. But thing, <laughs> what I'm getting at is gear doesn't matter. I've made with with uh, with pinhole cameras, and we're talking you know cameras that probably cost less than a dollar to make because I had junk around the house. You can make a pinhole camera, and you can make an image that is so impactful. You can make an image that you've put time effort blood sweat and tears into 
from start to finish. And it's going to stand up against any other photo. If you do it right. Right. You can still be impactful and not be uh, and not be sharp. You can still be impactful and maybe the exposure is not perfect. Look at some of the old uh, all the old black and white, uh, you know, some of the the photos that 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 went for millions at auction houses. I can't remember what, what was it William Eggleston the, the the photo with the tricycle. You remember that photo? I got to look it up. I think so. But it's a photo of these houses and this tricycle and he gets down low and he photographs this tricycle. It's huge in the frame. It's not sharp. I mean, it's sharp enough, but it's not tack sharp. But we go to some of these these camera clubs uh, judges and they say, oh, it's not sharp out. When I compete, I throw in stuff that is experimental because I like to see how other people feel about it. And every time I put a, put a pinhole in there, they don't get it. I have this pin. I, I talked about it last time. I went to Steamtown. Not this time, but the last time I went to Steamtown in Scranton, Pennsylvania. One of my favorite shots was a pinhole shot of the, the windows in Steamtown. It was these windows that were reflecting blue, and, the, and the, all the structures were triangles. And they, they were like green, uh, not green, they were orange. And the sun was hitting them perfectly, and they were orange, and it was such a, an amazing abstract and geometrical shots. And it was my favorite shot. When I think about my favorite shots, that's one of my favorite shots that pops up in the back of my mind. And it was made with, now, granted, I made it with a digital camera, but I made it with a pinhole lens. I could have gone out there with, with color film, black and white film, and made the exact same image. So that's why gear doesn't matter you know if, if you wait until you have the latest and greatest and and in gear before you start making making seriously making instead of taking photographs you'll never be there there's always something new coming out out megapixels is is nothing you know i've i've kind of always wanted to i've got i've got an old canon 10d i think it's like 6.3 megapixels and I've always wanted to go in, and, and uh, the batteries are, are just shot in it. I've always wanted to go and buy new batteries for the sucker and buy the cheapest KEH bargain bin kick down a mountain lens I could. could. And this is probably the combination is probably no more than $40. And, and really show that people can still make images with anything. Embrace embrace the 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 the, the fact that it's not megapixel crisp embrace the fact that maybe the dynamic range sucks you know you lean into what you got you use with what you got i don't care what you got uh, I've, I've made images with 110 cameras that are that were blew me away sharpness and crispness and megapixels and all that fun stuff is i think it's overrated now now do you have a great megapixel camera do you have a large format film camera use it but you don't need to go out and buy it if you can't if you can't afford it if you can't justify having all that power who cares now it's a little bit different when you've got like wedding clients or you've got um you know you've got people that 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 need a photo uh you need a portrait to go on a billboard or you need you have wedding clients that want you know 11 by 14s or, or, you know, whatever. But when you're, when you're shooting for yourself, you're shooting art, you're shooting for, uh, you know, either for yourself or you're shooting to sell your art. Who cares? You're the, you're the, you're the music maker. You're the, you're the creator. You make it the way you want to make it. 
But like I said, clients is a little bit different. You you need to provide high res, and that's what they want. You got you got to shoot for the client. But when you're shooting for you, you're shooting for something that you're calling your art, and and you're hoping that people dig your art. You know, it's it's not all about having the the best brush when you're painting. It helps, but there are so many people out there that don't have the time, the money, or the effort to to be able to afford a brush or be able to afford either either money money wise or time wise lessons and classes. Some people have this that that natural art and lean into it, embrace it. Yeah. Uh you know what one thing I hate <laughs> and photographers always have heard this. What you hate? That's a nice camera. It must take good pictures. I hate when people say that. Man, that's a nice camera. I bet it takes good pictures. Well, I mean, in, in the hands of someone that doesn't know how to how to operate it, it doesn't. It's kind of like the old uh, and my favorite thing is like, oh, you've man, that was a nice meal. You must have nice pots and pans. It's it's not it's not the tool. The camera's a tool. Pots and pans are a tool. Oh, but those new copper pots and pans. <laughs> where you could just burn cheese on it it just slides right off that's totally looks like a gimmick <laughs> i've heard good things about them though you know i but... i gotta tell you i love i've got one of those shun shun s-h-u-n knives that thing is i need to get it sharpened apparently you just can't sharpen it like a normal knife which is does suck but i've got one of those knives and it's it's awesome it's amazing Everything cuts like butter. I haven't tried the Ginsu thing, like cutting a tin can with it. But uh, that knife is amazing. But the thing is, is I can take a butter knife out of the drawer and I can cut a damn loaf of bread. It may be a little squishy, but I can cut anything else with it. The thing is, is while, while nice tools are nice, make sure you can justify them. Make sure that they are going to help you in your journey and in your methods of of creating that art before you go spend it out because gas or gear acquisition syndrome is not going to make you a better photographer. Correct. Ain't. But uh, if I had to give an uh, I had to give an example, some of these new cameras where it automatically focuses on the eye, I mean, that's helpful. And that's helpful to a point where somebody might not have the greatest eyesight. Somebody might not have the greatest hand-eye coordination. I mean, that's really a helpful thing for people that that may have problems with that. But at the end of the day, you don't need that. Oh, it, well. It's a good tool to have, and it might help you, but it's not necessary. Yeah. And in, in the long run, the, the whole do you make or take photographs is – I think a mental state of mind. It's almost like you're psyching yourself up for a photograph. Here's here's an opportunity to take a photo. I, I need to I need to feel it. I mean, there have been times where I've gone out and, and and wanted to photograph something I've traveled to, and I just don't feel it. The light's not good. The weather's not good. Maybe the, the you know whatever for whatever reason I'm just not in the mindset. And no matter how hard I try, I'm taking a photo. But when I am psyched up. I am excited to be there. Man, I got all the time in the world to set up and, and I've got everything that I need. Man, I, 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 it's just that, like I said, it's a mental state of mind. I'm, I'm there to make a photograph. And whether it's a digital or a film shot or a tintype, 
it seems to take the same amount of time. Digital shot, oh yeah, we're talking minutes, if not hours at a location to get the right shot. And, and then on top of that, you've got to psych yourself up to edit it. I've got to psych myself up to develop that film. I've got to psych myself up to print it on a piece of paper or expose a, a carbon print. But you got to keep that that mental state, that positive psych, psyched up mental brain thing. You got to keep that so that you know you feel it throughout the entire stage. Because weakest link, if you're psyched up for everything, but yeah, but you kind of you know just not feeling it on a computer, not feeling it in the dark room, it's it, you kind of lose it. I think at least that's my my thought. Think yeah. so? Yeah, I have to agree. Well, I want to know what your thoughts are or thoughts are on how you describe your art. And honestly, does it even matter? Does it even matter that you're taking or making photographs? And maybe you call it taking photographs, but maybe you still put yourself through that, you know, that whole mental state of of getting everything right the first time. Getting everything perfect, as perfect as you can make it. So you don't have to edit things or you don't have to come back and shoot it again. But do you understand my thought on take versus make? I just think there's such more that it just, it just makes it feel. And what are your thoughts on like, you know, you're talking to people and they say, Oh, you take photographs. No, I'm, I make photographs or I'm just coming off and saying to people, and I don't think it's pretentious at all, but if somebody asks me what I do, uh, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, I, I make photographs. I don't know. It's kind of a crazy thing that's bugged me for years, but I don't know. Maybe hopefully we got a little bit of the thoughts out there. Either way, uh, you can always connect with us on our Facebook group or through email at podcast at underredglow.com. And as always, your comments just might make it into a future episode. As always, a big thank you to everyone who continued to join us and all the love and support we've received from people liking us on Facebook, subscribing and rating us on your podcast platform of choice. And also a big thank you to our Patreon and subscription to supporters. We're starting at just a buck. You can get our shows early with our supporters only after show all without ads. Be sure to check out our other supporter tiers as well, which are geared towards bringing you along on our darkroom projects with great rewards. All of our links can be found in our show notes and also on www.underredglow.com. And now with episode 68 down, it's been our absolute pleasure spending this time with you. Please be sure to subscribe to Under Red Glow. And if you've earned your recommendation to other photographers of any skill level or process, we would certainly appreciate you sharing us with them. A big thank you to my co-host, Christine Milliker, and of course, everyone for listening. If you're listening on Patreon or our supporter page, stay tuned for the after show. Thanks for tuning in. We look forward to visiting with you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.